It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yes, hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News. In a nutshell for you, Tuesday morning. It is Tuesday, the 10th of October, 2023. Daniel Pettigrew back with you. Hope you are all well and ready for another exciting day. Broadcasting through SEN. 11.70 a.m. in Sydney, SENQ 6.93 a.m. in Brisbane and SEN 16.20 a.m. on the Gold Coast, 1300-01-1170, our open line number, or you can text 0457-736-736. That's all before breakfast with Scratch Fossey, Scratch Brandy. They're on their RDOs. It'll be Missile, James Magnuson and Copes, Trent Copeland to take you through breakfast this morning. Fossey and Brandy back tomorrow. Uh, but Copes and Missile this morning from 6am. For our Queensland listers, you'll get the first hour of them. And then it'll be Patton Heels after 6am for you. Plenty get to come between now and then to get through on the show this morning. We're going to ch- chat some EPL in about 15 or 20 minutes with John Gallo with Tottenham on top of the EPL ladder. Quite, well, I'm not going to say unbelievable, but what a start for Ange Postacoglu and Tottenham. The cricket, Paul Dennett, our cricket expert, joined me on the line in about half an hour. A lot to get through in terms of the cricket. We'll chat to Paul Dennett. Of course, a lot of other cricket news floating around, some rugby league news floating around now as well as we lead up to the internationals. So plenty to get through on this Tuesday morning. And you can also have your say on the Wallabies as well. Uh, Portugal won uh, 24-23. I said yesterday it was unlikely. Well, they proved me wrong, but didn't do enough to get the Wallabies through to the quarterfinal stage of the Rugby Union World Cup. So you can talk about the Wallabies if you want as well. Anything you want to talk about in sport this morning, one 1170 0457 736 It's two past five, two past four in Queensland. The Hot Topic, thanks to Reem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a ream. Yes, except nothing less than Australia's best installer ream, Australia's favourite hot water. All right, before we get to the news of the day, I saw SEN on social media and on the website put something out yesterday about, uh, because every club now with the season well and truly done now, um, put out an article with the best players from each club, the best and fairest from each club. Um, I won't go through that. Uh, most of you would be aware who won it for your club. But I'd like to know, and it doesn't matter who you support this morning, who do you think was your club's best player, most important player this year? And who are you looking forward to seeing run around next year at your club? So who was the best player, in your opinion, doesn't have to be the best player that was named by the club, but the best player for your club? And maybe there's a youngster at your club who may have only played six, seven, eight games. Who are you looking forward to seeing next year run around for your club or it might be someone that's very experienced but only played a handful of games for whatever reason injury suspension this year so who is your best player at the club this year whatever club you you support and who you most looking forward to seeing a run around next year at your club in fact some of these players that you nominate may well be playing this weekend uh, for the various international sites So best player and the one you're most excited about seeing next year at your club, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. We'll get back to some rugby league shortly and an interesting story as well surrounding Dylan Edwards 
which we expect him to be named in that Australian side uh, when it is named a little later on today. Uh, but it is an intriguing story. We'll get to that shortly. But let's get to cricket first. And let's actually start, before we get to the Australian team, let's just start at what happened last night in the cricket. Of course, the Cricket World Cup rolls on. And as I say, we'll chat to Paul Dennett very soon. New Zealand were playing the Netherlands. sort the start of the game. Um, New Zealand ended up, no surprise here, winning by 99 runs. Although the Netherlands, it has to be said, Took a lot more wickets than England did when they played New Zealand the other day. New Zealand off their 50 overs made seven for 322. The Netherlands put up a decent fight all out off 46.3 overs for 223. So well done to New Zealand. Probably not as comprehensive maybe as some people thought it would be, uh, but still uh, a win that most people expected they would get. So New Zealand off to a flyer, two from two in the World Cup. There are two matches tonight or this afternoon, one at four o'clock between England and Bangladesh. No doubt England will want to hit back after that pretty poor performance against New Zealand on Thursday night, Friday morning. And then 7.30 tonight, Pakistan will take on Sri Lanka. So a couple of matches there for you to enjoy from 4 p.m. Uh, this afternoon, and you'll hear uh, what well, we'll talk to Paul Dennett about all of that very, very soon. But Australia, we know they went down uh, yesterday, um, and we were talking about the batting, not even making 200, but the bowling is a really interesting situation as well. I got a text through on the show yesterday morning about the fact that we only really took one front line spinner, and Nathan Lyon has put his hand up to go over there if he gets the call. He's making his return to cricket this weekend. Um, and it's really interesting because they it's been revealed now Australia will consider bowling first should it win the toss in future World Cup matches after spinners Adam Zampa and Glenn Maxwell had trouble gripping the ball because of the dew during India's successful run chase on Sunday night. Um, Steve Smith said the dew was a factor, but that it didn't necessarily mean the Aussies would bowl first given the chance. So Smith said the dew came in and it probably got a little bit easier and harder for our spinners to hold the ball. If it stays the same without the dew, it's probably game on. We'll wait and see. It's difficult to predict different places whether the dew's coming to, going to come in or not. Obviously it did, and it was quite challenging for our guys, but sometimes it doesn't come in and it's really difficult to chase a total. You've got to weigh up all those things. So now the Aussies, as we know, uh, head to um, uh, play South Africa on thir on Thursday. Then they have Sri Lanka after that. They only took one in one frontline spinner. So, and we'll talk to Paul Dennett about this shortly, uh, in about twenty or so minutes. If you're Australia, would you be seriously considering the offer of Nathan Lyon? Marcus Stoinis has a bit of an injury, and I thought. And as I said, the text was pretty much spot on yesterday. I, I thought it was a little odd, just a little odd, that we only took one frontline spinner into a World Cup that is being played in India, which we know in most places favours spin. Maybe that could potentially be our downfall. And I tell you what, the matches against South Africa and Sri Lanka are not going to be easy either. We know only the top four get through to the semi-finals. They play each other once, so there's still a lot more games for Australia to go to turn things around. But pretty disappointing uh, start on Sunday. Would you take Nathan Lyon up on his offer? Do you think we should have another frontline spinner at this World Cup? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 11 to 70. And just whilst we're on at cricket as well, the one-day World Cup, 
we saw obviously quite a big crowd for the India-Australia match the other night. But other than that, and I know the vast majority of these games have been played in big stadiums. I do understand that. But the crowds have been, and we mentioned this uh, the other morning, the crowds have been, I think, fairly poor. Um, early on in this World Cup. Now, clearly, you're going to get big crowds to Indian games. You'll get a big crowd for the final, no matter who's playing, and it could well feature India semi-finals as well. But for the round-robin games, not a lot, not many there. I know uh, that England-New Zealand game was played at a stadium that I think held about 130,000 people, which is massive. And I think at the end, by the end of the game, there was about 30,000 people there, but I suppose that still looks fairly empty. And... We've sort of had this chat with Paul last week. One day cricket, where does it sit in the scheme of things right now um, in terms of cricket? If you are a cricket fan, does test cricket come first? It does, I reckon, for most people. 2020 cricket, though, and we know about how successful, although has a, has had a fairly couple of quieter years, but there was a resurgence in the Big Bash last year. Where, when we know there is that challenge from Big Bash, well, not Big Bash cricket, but 2020 cricket, that does hurt definitely the one-day game. As I, rem- as I say, I remember growing up, and I saw there was a game at North Sydney Oval yesterday between New South Wales and Queensland, and we'll get to the score of that shortly, that I'm sure there was a decent crowd there. But I remember when I was growing up, which was only, what, 20, 25 years ago, when at that point in time, the domestic one-day competition was almost must-watch. It'd be featured on Channel 9. It'd be great to watch. It's definitely, and Sheffield Shield, to an extent as well, never quite got the coverage of the domestic one-day competition, but it was still fairly popular. Where does one-day cricket now rank, if you are a cricket fan, listed in order? One, two, three. What's your, what do you take first? What's your priority in terms of cricket? And what's your least priority? Is 2020 cricket ahead of one-day cricket for you? I think the younger generation would probably say, well, yes, maybe it is 2020 cricket. Maybe it's not one-day internationals anymore since we've seen 2020 cricket develop over the last 15 or so years. So list in order your priority for cricket. What would you watch first? What would you watch second? What would you watch third? Test cricket, one-day cricket, T20 cricket. What comes first? What's your priority? one 1170 our open line number, or 0457-736-736. Uh, we'll talk tomorrow about Mitchell Pearce, and there's a nice article in the Sydney Morning Herald with the interview with Mitchell Pearce. We'll talk about that tomorrow on the show, but uh, we're not too far away, and that's Super League Grand Final, by the way, which we'll mention, as I say, tomorrow morning on the show. We'll talk more about tomorrow morning on the show. That will be... At 4 a.m. Sunday morning, Sydney time, so 3 a.m. at Queensland time. Um, but the internationals, rugby league internationals, as we know, begin this coming weekend. Um, and Dylan Edwards, and it's a great story. Start of last week, he was left out of the squad after winning yet another competition for the Penrith Panthers. And a lot of people probably thought, uh, that's a bit harsh. And look, Reese Walsh missed out, Caelan Ponga missed out as well. He wasn't the only person to miss out. And I think, and I saw a clip of Dylan Edwards on the news last night saying he thought it may never happen, the chance to play representative football, whether it be for Australia or New South Wales. Now, the team's not named just yet. Uh, they will be named a little later on this afternoon. And it seems that Dylan Edwards, if he does play, will be playing on the wing with James Tedesco at fullback. But 
it is an interesting one because if he does play um, against Samoa, uh, he will need to miss his younger brother's wedding on Saturday. So we know last Thursday, Edwards was preparing to head to Kingscliff for the family wedding when Penrith coach Ivan Cleary told him he would need to head to Townsville to join the Kangaroos. So the 27-year-old said his brother, Jared, had been more than happy to give up a part of his own special day to watch Dylan realise his green and gold dream. Uh, Not once did Edwards give any thoughts to passing up his kangaroo's commitments to stand next to Jared. His fiancée, Nadine, and their two daughters will be at Queensland Country Bank Stadium to watch his debut. And Jared said he wouldn't want to miss this. Poses the question, good on Dylan Edwards, good on the family. What sporting event have you missed for another event? Or what event have you missed for a sporting match? I know um, one of my friends got ma- a big, big Dragons fan, got married. Oh, sorry, not got married, but had to go to a wedding 2010 grand final day. And it was miles out of Sydney. So he couldn't go to the game. He couldn't go to the wedding and then go to the game. So he had watched it on a cruise, I think. So what sport, and that's bad organising. No one should be getting married in September or early October, but that does happen. So what sporting event have you missed and what did you miss it for? Or what event did you miss for a sporting match? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 01 1170 or 0457 736 736. A wedding, a party, someone's um, important birthday, anniversary. What did you miss? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. A couple of other bits of rugby league news before we take a break and speak to John Gallo. A bit of news out of the Melbourne Storm. They all close a loophole to keep Suifalago away from rival NRL clubs as he prepares to make his international debut for Samoa. We know he's made his, he made his debut for the Storm in round 27 when we had uh, the Broncos and the Storm resting a lot of players. Um, and announced the 20-year-old as a star on the rise and a further alerted clubs to his potential. Now, he is due to hit the market on November 1, and we will have a chat to Matty Cox tomorrow morning, host of Tradies News in Melbourne. We know the AFL is in their trade period at the moment. We'll talk about uh, that, and we'll see if it could ever be applied to the NRL. But at the moment, we're in this situation, and Melbourne uh, will exercise an option in his contract to lock in for a logo until at least the end of 2025. Now, he is due to line up for Samoa against Australia in Townsville on Saturday and is contracted until the end of 2024, but the club has an option in its favour for the following season. The Storm confirmed that option would definitely be exercised and that the youngster would be elevated into the club's top 30 roster from next season, a year ahead of schedule. Um, Even if he had hit the market, the rookie had no intention of entertaining rivals from other outfits. He said, I'm just so grateful for the Melbourne Storm for giving me the opportunity and the opportunity to debut. I never thought I'd get a game this year, but I got lucky. I'm so grateful to be in a system as good as the Storm, so I don't want to go anywhere. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen also signed up until the end of 2025. Melbourne has made for Logo a rare Victorian product, a long-term retention priority, which is good. I mean, obviously, we wish Ryan Pappenhausen all the best, um, but it is great to see uh, a Victorian who grew up in Victoria uh, play rugby league. And it'd be great to see more of that as the Melbourne Storm. And you've got to think as well, they've been around, what, 25 years. So uh, they haven't been around a long, long time. And with the success they've had over the ten last 10 or 15 years, and we know they get big crowds down there at Amy Park, you'd expect there would be 
clearly the AFL dominates, but you would expect there would be a few more Victorians playing rugby league, and you never know, we might see a few more running around for the Melbourne Storm or some other club. So that is good, but as I say, we'll have a chat with uh, Matty Cox tomorrow about the trade window and all of that. So this is all part of our Makita Power Play this morning, uh, the Makita XGT Experience Professional Cordless Power Without Limits. Who do you reckon, uh, now that the season is done and dusted, uh, we've seen it gone, we saw Penrith do the three-peat, Who's your club's best player this year? And who's the player you're most looking forward to seeing run around in 2024 for your team? Youngster, maybe someone that only played a handful of games for whatever reason. Who is your club's best player? Who are you most looking forward to seeing? Should we be taking Nathan Lyon up in his offer and sending him to India to help us in our World Cup hopes after losing that first game? He said he's ready to go. We know he picked up that calf injury in the Ashes series. Would you have him there? Do we need another spinner? And where does one-day cricket rank for you in terms of test cricket, T20 cricket, one-day cricket? List And you can tell me why as well. List it from one, two, three. What is your priority of watching? And Dylan Edwards is going to miss his brother's wedding to more than likely make his debut for the Kangaroos on Saturday. What sporting event have you missed for something else? Or what event have you missed for a sporting match. It does work the other way around as well. Uh, all part of our Makita Power Play this morning, the Makita XGT, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation and power without limits. one 1170 to your text, your calls, and we will talk a little bit of EPL on the other side of this break with John Gello. It's 17 and a half past five in New South Wales, 17 and a half past four in 22 past five, 22 past four in Queensland. John Gallo in just a sec to talk all things EPL. Paul Dennett in about 10 or 15 minutes to talk all things cricket. Uh, talking about your club's best player this year. Now the season is done and dusted. And who are you looking forward to seeing a run around in your club for 2024? Should we be sending a second spinner over to India for the World Cup? Potentially Nathan Lyon. Where does cricket, uh, in terms of one-day internationals, where does that rank? If you're a big cricket fan... Is it number one, number two, number three? And Dylan Edwards is going to miss his brother's wedding on Saturday to make his debut for Australia. I'm asking, what event did you miss for a sporting match? Or what sporting match did you miss for an event? This one uh, from 4AM Tommy. He says, hey, Dan, Dad sent all my siblings on a trip overseas when they turned 16. I never went because I was playing Harold Matthews. Ended up snapping my ankle and still waiting for the trip. Does that count? Yes, I think that counts. Uh, you're overdue a trip overseas. Please tell me you've been overseas 4am, Tommy. Uh, that is disappointing news. Where did they go, Tommy? Anyway, uh, yes, it does count. I would be very annoyed if I missed any kind of overseas trip. Keep the text coming in 0457 736 736. Time to do this. Now on Tradies News, it's time for the latest in football. And on the line is John Gallo. Morning to you, John. Morning to you, Dan. I'm back. I'm back yes. in fine form, mate. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. Uh, we missed you last week because the Chris Perkins, yeah. who jumped on the line, who's my American correspondent, as you know, and all the people tuned in at the moment, no, jumped on the line. He loves all sport. And I tell you what, it was actually a good day to talk to him because he's a big Newcastle United fan. And we were talking to him on the back of that wonderful Champions League victory. A lot going on in the world of football. A lot going on, mate. Yeah, Newcastle been very, very impressive in the Champions League start so far against PSG at home in St. James's Park. And 
Uh, if you catch their highlights on uh, on YouTube with St. James's Park as they're entering into the uh, stadium, the players, you can see the Champions League anthem being played all around St. James's Park. And that's been some time since the Geordie fans have heard that anthem being played. And I tell you what, 65, 60,000 packed Geordies into that stadium. Uh, you know, that's a, that's an atmosphere that uh, I think is one of the best in the world. So, um, yeah, what a, what a sight that was. Newcastle doing fantastically well, obviously, in the Premier League under Eddie Howe. So, well done to Newcastle. All right, let's get through the results from last weekend. Tottenham, they lead the way in the English Premier League alongside Arsenal. We'll get to that. Tottenham won over Luton Town. Nil, another chance for Luton. I know they did post a victory the other week, but haven't won at home yet and still haven't. Tottenham won Luton Town nil. No, the, it only gets uh, from bad to worse for Luton, unfortunately for them. The relegation battle continues, as expected, being the newly promoted side. But um, well done to Tottenham. I, I think this is a bit of a challenge for them because they're opening probably 10 minutes of the game. They should have been up 3-0, to be honest. They had a few chances for to Richarlson and Madison, as well as Cancelo, uh, but just couldn't put them away. And then as the game wore on, uh, fortunately for, for Tottenham, they had a send-off just after around half-time and then had to kind of go on with the game with, with 10 men all of a sudden, which gave Luton a bit of incentive to try and grab something from the game, a little you know smash and go. And uh, unfortunately for Luton, that didn't work out. Spurs still got on with the job, went 1-0 up. And uh, prior to Ange, they, they still played on the front foot Spurs. They were playing attacking football, even with 10 men, which was very, very good to see. So Spurs keep rolling on undefeated and joint top of the table at the moment. Uh, first time in a number number of years, decades, probably centuries, if you're a Spurs fan, where you've seen Tottenham up the top of the table after so many games this season. So, uh, fantastic start for Ange. Fulham three over Sheffield United one. Yeah, Fulham got on with the job here. Sheffield United struggling again. Um, Fulham at home, polished, a very, very good performance. Uh, Marco Silva's finally getting a tune out of his side this season, so that's good to see. A few, you know, up and down starts this season, a few games, Fulham, but I think they're finally hitting their straps and uh, and a good three points. Yeah, good three points. A very good win by Chelsea, four-one over Burnley. Well, first time in a long time, I think, where Chelsea fans have won back to back so far consecutive weeks. Um, I think Burnley, although Burnley bottom of the table. Uh, in around that relegation. I thought Burnley at home can always be a little bit difficult. Vincent Company's side at times plays some really good attacking football, but defensively, I think they're still leaking a lot of goals. And that's where Burn, that's where Chelsea, sorry, particularly Raheem Sterling on that far-hand side, literally ate them apart. I mean, he had two assists and two goals, Raheem Sterling. And for 32-year-old Sterling, who's lost a little bit of pace, to be ripping up your defence, speaks volumes about how your defending is going. So for Burnley, still very shaky start of the season. Chelsea, two wins. Hopefully they get a bit of confidence, although they'll need that confidence they got Arsenal this weekend. So let's see how they go. We saw Man United, and we were talking just last week about Man United, an important win at Old Trafford against Brentford, 2-1. Yeah, important win, but a very shaky performance. Um, I think after some time, it was one all. It looked like it was going to be a draw in this game, but then stepped in McTominay. Uh, he grabbed the winning goal, and he grabbed both goals for Man United, to be fair. He came on as a substitution probably about 15 minutes to go, and, boy, he was an impact player. Pulled him off the bench at one time. Bradford were leading 1-0 for large periods of this game, and then all of a sudden, McTominay gets on and gets two goals, and they walk out with three points. I think Ten Hag saved face there because I think his overall side, he knows his performance wasn't good enough for his side. Been very shaky the last couple of months. Um, so the pressure still mounts on Ten Hag in terms of his future at the club. But uh, a good three points in the end, a much-needed three points, but a very shaky performance. Everton, and talking about important wins again, 3-0 over Bournemouth. 
Yeah, Everton, well done at home. This is probably one of the best performances I've seen from them so far this season. Uh, Bournemouth struggling. I know it's not much against Bournemouth, but Everton need all the hope they can get at the moment, how bad their start of the season has been. Uh, but at home, I think Glen Blade, the Corey up front, very, very strong. Uh, really good football at times as well, Everton. Really went out to Bournemouth's defence and, uh, and reaped the benefits. So a good three points, Everton. Yeah, Everton three, Bournemouth nil. Uh, very quickly, this one, Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest, nil all draw. Nil all draw. Oh, boy, Roy. Uh, couldn't get a, a win over Nottingham Forest. and uh, Struggling. I mean, the Forest haven't been that great themselves this season. Steve Cooper knows that. He had a great season last season. Um, but uh, unfortunately, this was a great game for the neutral. Both teams end-to-end, both creating some half opportunities. So I think a draw was a fair result for both sides. Interesting result. This one, a two-all draw between Brighton and Liverpool. Yeah, this is a really good game to watch as well from a neutral perspective. For Liverpool, I think they'll feel like they dropped three points here. I think they had an opportunity to, to lead 2-1 and uh, kind of bolstered it a little bit bright and kept going at them um, and never really let up either. So credit to Brighton to walk out with a point at home as well against a very good Liverpool side. Liverpool been in form since the start of the season. Um, McAllister, Schlitzer by that midfield were, were quite good. Although McAllister gave away the goal for his former side, Brighton, to get up to two all and, and Brighton to walk out with a point, a much-needed point for Brighton, but a bit of a slip-up from Liverpool. West Ham and Newcastle also had a two-all draw. Yeah, well, this is difficult. I think West Ham being quite a good start of the season. They started strongly under David Moyes and uh, obviously they won the Champions Trophy uh, last year and got a lot of confidence from that, I think, as a football side. And you can see that confidence still brewing for the start of the season. They've been quite consistent and been a little bit of a surprise packet for the start of the season. I have to say how well they've come out of the blocks. Uh, Eddie Howe's side, on the other hand, has stumbled a little bit at the start of the season, tried to get going a little bit. Took them about three or four games into the season to finally hit their form. I think they're slowly getting into it. Uh, although maybe Champions League football, they can mm. be forgiven that their side's probably a little bit tired um, after the midweek game. So that's probably hurt them a little bit in this one. Uh, a point, a good point for West Ham. Probably three points dropped for, for Newcastle United, to be honest. Wolves and Aston Villa uh, had another draw. Lots of draws. One all Wolves and Aston Villa. It was a game of draws, Dan, and yes. uh, a whole week of draws, that particular mm. that Sunday. Um, three draws in a row, or four draws in a row, and include Palace game. But, yeah, I mean, look, this game from, from Wolves, I think, was a good performance, even though they had a man sent off right in the 94th minute. That didn't really impact the game too much. But I think if you're a Villa fan, you've got to be disappointed. And I think, you know, Emery probably would have expected to get three points, even though they're away from home. Wolves have been struggling in and around that relegation zone this season. They've been very slow out of the blocks. I would have expected Villa to get all three points here, but uh, I think three points dropped for Villa, a good point one by Wolves. And what about this result? Arsenal won over Man City, nil a goal. It took a deflection in the 86th minute. Man City, two losses in a row, and the first time Arsenal had beaten Man City in, I think, over 2,000 days. Yeah, it's been a long time. Pep's got the, the, the wooden stick over Man uh, over Arsenal sorry, for a long time now, and um, there was not much confidence from an Arsenal perspective heading to this game. They had no Bakuya Saka. Martinelli was staying on the bench. Trostar was playing up front instead. And Kedia was, was up front there as well. Gabriel Jesus, you know, two players have taken their time to get into form this season. Jesus has come back from a long-term injury, so he hasn't really hit form that well. Um, a lot of people are concerned for Arsenal heading into this game because Man City have been so polished since the start of the season, whereas Arsenal have been OK. They'll still be getting their results, but they've kind of been stuttering along the start of the season, haven't really hit their form that we're used to seeing from them last season. Uh, but I think this shows that they're real title contenders, this result. 1-0, and I think 
good move for Marteta. He came in and half time and brought on Martinelli, which I think really changed the game. Martinelli, of course, ended up getting the winning goal, albeit a deflected goal, uh, but one that uh, gets all three points secured for Arsenal at home as well. Bit of an incident after the game as well. Kyle Walker and uh, the goalkeeping coach Nicholas Jober. In a little bit of a, a tunnel tussle in the in half in the end of the game, uh, Kyle Walker and him had a few exchange words, uh, but uh, it all seems like it's ended well. So, um, yeah, I think good performance and, and a great result for Arsenal. Now, there's no EPL this coming weekend, but we will have a chat on Friday because uh, Australia going over and playing at Wembley, actually, against England, and then they have a game against New Zealand midweek next week as well. So plenty to talk about in terms of football on Friday morning. Of course, we're not too far away from the A-League starting as well after Sydney FC on Saturday night won the Australia Cup final. So a lot happening, John. I look forward to talking on Friday morning. I look forward to it all, Dan, and uh, catch up soon, mate. We've yep. got to uh, catch up. Yes, sure. definitely. We definitely do. Thank yeah. you. Speak to you in a few days. Cheers, mate. Uh, John Gallo off to check his calendar to figure out his social arrangements. Uh, it is 27 minutes to 6 o'clock, 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. That was all for the Makita XGT Experience Professional Cordless Power Without Limits, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation and power without limits. We'll take a break, some more texts and Paul Dennett to talk all things cricket on the other side. It's 27 to 6 in New South Wales, 27 to 5 in Queensland. Good to have your company. Tuesday morning, Tradies News in a nutshell. Don't forget, we are here for Red Smoke Alarms. Think redsmokealarms.com.au and also MS Safety, your Australian-owned workwear and PPE provider. On our way to talk to Paul and asking a lot of things this morning, uh, Dylan Edwards is going to miss uh, his brother's wedding to play for Australia more than likely on Saturday. Where does one-day cricket rank uh, for you in terms of test, T20 and one-day cricket? This text uh, from 2pm, Pete. Hey, Dan, they could play cricket once a year like they do with the Bathurst or the Melbourne Cup. Um, I think it still wouldn't pull the numbers. No interest at all. I remember back in school, they used to come around and give out Milo in a goodies bag to promote the game. We were more interested in the Milo uh, than the fellas or the game. I just don't think it's appealing for the young audience, and that's the problem, 2pm Pete. Look, you may have a point, 2pm Pete, but I'm going to refer to our expert to reply to that. Paul Dennett on the line. Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. And as I welcome Paul to the show, we're going to get stuck into the World Cup in just a second. I suppose where Pete, morning to you, Paul, by the way, um, where Pete may have a point for the younger generation is Test Cricket does go for five days. One day internationals can take a while. Obviously, it only takes one day, hence the name. But T20 Cricket is where I think a lot of the younger generation probably do look at now because it is like a rugby league at AFL match where it is done and dusted within two or three hours morning. Morning, Dan. Oh, yeah, it's it's such a relief to be in a world where T20 cricket exists because I understand where 2pm Pete's coming from. Um, I mean, you would never invent a game that goes for five days. Um, and these days, I mean, it's, it's a game from the 1800s that has somehow lingered on. And my whole life, it's been, yeah, come to the cricket with me. I took an Irish friend to the cricket once and um, I had to get some uh, plenty of wine into him so that, so that he could <laughs> half enjoy the, the day of test cricket. But you're right. I did take a Scottish friend uh, and another friend who hates cricket to a T20 game, and they mm. grudgingly afterwards said, actually, you know, I'm not, not going to come every time, but that was kind of all right. So 2pm, Pete, um, 
get out to a big bash game. And and I suppose as well, and we'll, we'll talk about the crowds when uh, if we get a chance this morning, uh, just where one day cricket sits at the moment. We'll get to all that. Uh, let's look at what happened to Australia firstly. I came on air and look with the hours I work. I didn't see a lot of the match, but did see the highlights uh, as I was making my way into work yesterday morning. And I know there's a few issues, but... The batting is a problem. The fact that we were two for 110, Paul, and the fact that the fact they couldn't see out the 50 overs was bad enough, but the fact they couldn't even post 200, and in this day and age where we see big scores in one-day cricket, partly due to what the fact we were just talking about, where we see a lot of high scores through T20 cricket, a lot of the players overlap, that was a very disappointing start. Yeah, you're right. You can score 400 these days and not be so certain of winning, and we couldn't make 200, as you said. Uh, I think, um, look, it's not time to panic. Um, the, the, there are some excuses. And I'm, I'm, I was disappointed by the performance, but the fact was it was a very difficult pitch to bat on against spin in the daytime session. And once Smith got out, and the ball that got Smith out from Jadeja was, would, have got, would have got Bradman out. <laughs> and then the, the big problem is our middle order in difficult spinning conditions against their high-quality spin. It's the nightmare scenario, and I've seen it so many times in test cricket and they're all saying all the players saying it felt like a test match in the way that it was and so when you've got um, Maxwell and Carey and Green coming out to, to face Jadeja in those conditions and, and, and Ashwin and Kuldeep Yadav it's no surprise that they then struggled um, the, the, the concern is that Australia didn't have the arsenal to fight back and that mm. um, poor old Adam Zampa was finding it difficult because the dew came in the ball was slippery and if you can imagine trying to spin a ball off your ring finger and little finger when it's like a cake of soap. It's very, very difficult to do. So I suppose what I'd say is I kind of budgeted for us losing this game and I'm grudgingly okay about it. Not time to panic yet. A couple of, we talk about the middle order in our batting, a couple of key things in terms of our bowling and fielding. Firstly, an important drop catch of Coley. I think it was, what, 12 at that point in time. And also we talk about the spinning conditions. You just mentioned it there. Um, Paul, what are they going to do with that? Because we only took one frontline spinner in. We talked about this last week on the show, and I see and mentioned it yesterday. I see Nathan Lyon, who's actually a special guest on the Sydney Breakfast Show a little later on this morning, is putting his hand up to go over there. Would you get Nathan Lyon over there? Presuming he's fully fit, which he says he is, he makes his return, I think, this weekend. To, there would be, have to be some temptation on basically spinning wickets. <clears throat> it's very interesting. Um, I think it's really cool that he's come out and said that. It'd be interesting to hear what he has to say. The problem is that mm. um, the horse has almost bolted because the, the, the real games that we, we needed um, uh, a spinner for, a second or a third spinner for, was this first game and then these next two. And I, and I think that it'd be very difficult for Nathan Lyon to sort of play a part. So, so he'd also have to, someone would have to um, be injured for him to actually mm. get in the squad now. It can no longer be a replacement for form. And I suppose someone, you know, there's always someone with a bit of an injury that they could um, sacrifice, but it would be really impacting the balance of the squad if he were to go over there now. But um, he would have been very, very good in those conditions in that first game. Although I, I still think it's strange that Australia won the toss and and batted because this whole factor of dew where the suddenly the ball becomes uh, soaked because of the grass they can never predict whether it's going to come in or not. Two nights before, the Australians trained at night, and Pat Cummins said there was no dew, whereas in this night, there was dew um, considerably. So uh, I think that they needed to get um, first use of that pitch for their for their bowlers, um, uh, for, 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 rather than our bowlers having to bowl under, under lights, we should have been um, bowling, um, bowling first, given that we won the toss. 
in terms of um, um, Sorry, you go. Next question. Yeah, I was just going to say in terms of what they were saying there about, and I actually mentioned earlier on the show and what you said, spot on about potentially bowling uh, first. They have said that if they do win the toss in the next couple of matches, they'll consider bowling first, but not 100% sure that'll happen. Obviously, you have to win the toss first. Would you be, uh, and I know we'll talk on Thursday morning about the game coming up against South Africa, but would you be bowling first if Australia do win the toss in this next match? Oh, definitely. I mean... Uh, they're, they're on the ground. They can see the local conditions. So maybe they know um, they know things that we don't over here all these these kilometres away. But <clears throat> the next two matches are in a city called Lucknow, which is not far from the border, well, up towards the border with Nepal. Mm. And I was reading that in the last IPL, Mark Wood, the fast bowler from England at one point, was not only was the deuce making the heart, the ball hard to hold. It was almost making it hard for him to run in. It was so slippery. So mm. uh, I think under those conditions, these are the two most important matches for us because... It's a very low, slow pitch, and we're playing South Africa and then Sri Lanka, both of whom have um, have really good spin spin quality. So it's going to be, I, I think, imperative that if we get the chance, uh, we bowl first, unless, as I said, that there, there's something that, that's changed. Yeah, and just on that drop catch as well, you need now, whether that would have changed the match or not, I know we started uh, bowling very well. Uh, they probably probably still go on to win India, but in World Cups, and I know it's only the first game and they've still got time to turn things around, you need everything to go your way. I think it could well have changed the game. You because, reckon? Okay. Um, it was a it was an amazing feeling as a yeah. as a disappointed Aussie fan having seen us get 199. But yeah. think, you know what? We might bowl okay, and then bang, bang, bang! I actually found myself out of the chair jumping up when we got the third wicket because Hazelwood got two in a row after so two in the same over after Stark had got one in his first over. India at one point had three batters who were all out for zero, and their two not out batters were zero as well. There were five zeros on the scoreboard. Um, it was very, very exciting. Mm. And they put the win predictor up and it was, I think, um, pretty much 50-50. Then a few minutes later, Coley top edges won and it was like, oh, this is going to be out. And I straight away thought, we're going to win this. Mm. Okay. Um, and then Mitch Marsh came hurtling in. <laughs> Alex Carey came running into yes. the other direction and Marsh got a bit distracted. Carey did pull out. Um, but I mean, I'm having witnessed that old collision between Steve Waugh and Jason Gillespie mm. in 1999 where they <laughs> really badly injured. I'm always, it was one of those ones where you started to turn away. Um, Carey did pull away, but Marsh didn't even lay a hand on it. So poor old Marsh uh, got a duck and, and dropped that crucial catch. So I reckon that if Coley had got out then, um, we, we certainly would have been favourite at that point, put it that way. Mm, important to make sure everything goes right. Uh, just away from the Australian game, uh, the World Cup so far, I've seen bits and pieces of it. There's actually two games today, one beginning at 4pm between England and Bangladesh. New Zealand posting their second win last night, although maybe not as convincing as people thought they might after their great performance against England in Game 1. Um, outside of the India-Australia game, the crowds have been, I think, fairly disappointing. What have you made of it so far? The cricket's been good, but... Uh, yeah, the crowd's a little disappointing, in my opinion, anyway. Oh, the crowds have been terrible. Yes. Um, and I, I think it's uh, it's funny, because in Australia, definitely, there has been a, la a loss of interest in 50-over cricket. Mm -hmm. In India, yeah, the, the, the IPL is everything. But I still think there is a lot of love for 50-over cricket. But the, the Board of Control for Cricket in India just doesn't make things easy for the fans. They've um, The ticketing arrangement, there's no e-tickets. It's all paper tickets. They... <laughs> changed venues right up until the last minute. Um, there's all these stories of fans being told you've got to go to the ground the day before to get your ticket and there's immense security. Um, the heat is there. And I think a lot of fans have just thought, oh, 
it's just not worth it. Uh, but it's an appalling look because the, the country of 1.4 billion people who, who do love cricket, mm. to have that opening moment of the World Cup where there was probably 2,000 people in a 130,000-seat stadium, and yes, it did build up a little bit beyond that, but... Um, yeah, it's no other no other sport would have their World Cup begin in such a way, and the optics were were really really bad. And I, I think it's really disappointing. And um, yeah, it makes it harder to watch. It is also quite unusual in a World Cup. And look, I understand why England and New Zealand played each other as a great World Cup final four years ago. It's a little unusual not to have the hosting nation or nations open a World Cup. In most sporting events, you do get that. So maybe they missed a trick there. Uh, just quickly, a couple of matches today. England up against Bangladesh. Do you think England hit back after their... Well, I know New Zealand played well, but pretty disappointing performance by England in the first match. It was, but again, England had to bat first mm. and um, New Zealand batting second. You don't want to put too much emphasis on it and the England players were quite diplomatic, but you could tell that they basically were saying it was chalk and cheese, the conditions when New Zealand batted than they did. So I, I still think that England are going to be a massive force in this World Cup. So uh, I would expect them to beat Bangladesh again, <laughs> unless they have to bat first and then there's a lot of dew that comes in. That's at 4pm today, 3pm Queensland time. And just very quickly, Pakistan up against Sri Lanka should be a good match. Uh, one of the big matches of the mm. tournament. Um, you know, Pakistan will start as strong favourites, but uh, uh, cricket fans learn the word mercurial earlier than other sporting fans because of the description that it's applied to Pakistan all the time. You never know what you're going to get with them. Yeah. Um, they often start World Cups pretty slowly and then um, storm home later on. All right. Going to be very, very interesting. I'm sure you're not getting much sleep. We will chat on <laughs> Thursday morning ahead of Australia's next game against South Africa. See what happens over the next 48 hours and look forward to chatting then, mate. Thank you. Thanks, mate. See ya. Paul Dennett on the line, our cricket expert. And as I say, we'll get him on the line back on Thursday ahead of Australia's very important game against South Africa. We'll take a break. Come back and wrap things up. It's 10 to 6 in New South Wales, 10 to 5 in Queensland. Yes, don't forget Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American Footy's biggest game worth over $70,000 to shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're in with the chance T's and C's apply. Text here from Chookman. He says, uh, no brainer, Dan. Get the goat Nathan line straight over there. Tess, T20, then 50 over games for me. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Nathan Lyon. Uh, he also says in terms of uh, favourite players, Lindsay Collins had a great season and the club needs to lock up uh, young Wong. Uh, yes, I think that is definitely the plan for the Roosters. Just speaking of the Marsh Cup, Queensland, uh, thank you, Chookman, Queensland, unbelievable victory against New South Wales yesterday. They won by one wicket with 12.4 overs remaining. New South Wales all out for 217. A 73-1 run final wicket partnership between Kane Richardson and Gurinder Sandhu denied New South Wales what seemed a certain victory. So Queensland getting up over New South Wales in the Marsh Cup at North Sydney Oval yesterday. Thank you for your company today. Breakfast coming up through SEN 11.70am in Sydney with James Magnuson and Trent Copeland. Uh, Queensland listeners, you'll get the first hour of them and then you'll have pan and heels i'll be back with you tomorrow morning have a great tuesday breakfast after the news